This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School here on Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm Sandy Hunt. And I'm Cheryl Cool, And we are thrilled that you're here with us talking, uh, listening, <laughs> no, maybe maybe having conversations, <laughs> talking to, maybe you're talking back maybe to us. Maybe you're talking to us, going, that's a great thing, Sandy. <laughs> Joining our conversations uh, remotely here as we talk about the intersection of business and social impact. And we've got a great guest here who's really walking the talk in that department, Brian Linton, we welcome here to the studio, is the founder and CEO of United by Blue. For those of you who aren't familiar, this is an outdoor brand focused on ocean and waterway conservation based right here in Philadelphia, which we always love. Brian, welcome to Dollars and Change. Thanks for having me. Uh, So United by Blue, about 10 years old. Yep. Happy anniversary. Not quite, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how it got started. So back before... I started United by Blue. I was running a uh, a brand of resort merchandise, and I and I started that in 2006 while I was in college. And what is resort merchandise? So, f- for me, the resort merchandise was like jewelry, coastal inspired jewelry, shells, like okay, coconut beads, okay, really gaudy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you start that in college? So I, I started that Just because... Just for our listeners, we've got a guy, he's in, you know, full outdoor athletic apparel. <laughs> I'm not seeing, yeah. you know, topaz, the coastal the jewelry yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Turquoise was the in color for that yeah. too, yeah. you know. But uh, I started it because I, I grew up in, in Southeast Asia in Singapore. And so I moved to the States in 2005 for college. And when I, when I came to the U.S. at first, I went to a school in, in Michigan and I was... I was really sort of out of place, and I wanted to basically fill my time with with starting a business. I, I was starting business was more out of it was it was out of a passion for sales, but it was also a, out of boredom. And uh, I started importing. Do you miss those days? I, I do. I do. <laughs> After a decade I do. Of a I remember trying to fill my time, and I was like, "What can I do? I need to sell jewelry." <laughs> but um, but I, I started importing jewelry from from where I, I grew up around Southeast Asia, and re- very basic, just looking at. Looking at the market in the coastal regions of the East Coast, which is where my, my my extended family was from, and I would spend summers, and then looking at what I could buy in, say, the Philippines or Thailand, and obviously there was a lot of margin to be had there. So I started doing that in the summer times, importing the jewelry, selling it under my my brand throughout the East Coast, driving down to like Key West, Florida, and then all the way back up to Maine in my like beat up '96 Ford Taurus, <laughs> breaking down all the all the time. And the premise for that early on was, you know, in my entrepreneurial infancy, I always thought, well, the, the way to do good was just to give money away. And so as a 19-year-old, when I started in 2006, I, I you know, wanted to give 5% of proceeds to ocean conservation. And sort of the long process that led to United by Blue over the next four years was um, building that brand, making, making money, um, going through the Great Recession, and then realizing that, A, the financial donation model wasn't really resonating with me as a as a person. I wasn't able to look back and say, this is what I accomplished. Uh-huh. This is the good that I did for the world. And were you just selecting nonprofits in that you know area of interest? Yeah. I mean, it was very, um, very uh, rudimentary and, and, and not too scientific. It would just be like if something interested me and, and there was a project going on with the oceans related, oh. I would just you know send them send a them few up. hundred dollars yeah. or a few thousand dollars. And the internet was very different. 
In 2006-7, right? Like the sophistication of even vetting these things was a different ballgame. So yeah. you had this business, you're unsatisfied with the, you know, return on impact yeah. of, the, yeah. of this sort of 5%. Then what? So then going through going through that, that recessionary time period too, I, I graduated from school in 2008 and then really realized, you know, through the next couple of years of soul searching and, and, and having the the business pivot into more of a like a, a discount brand that I was selling to all the like Marshalls and TJ Maxx. Um, I realized I wasn't having an impact and I wasn't building a brand. And those were the two things to mm-hmm. me that I really wanted to do. I wanted to build a brand and I wanted to have an impact. And so luckily those four years of doing that taught me a ton about business and taught me more than I could have ever even learned in school. So I wanted to start therefore an outdoor brand because I saw that industry as as being the really the industry that I was personally interested in, and it's the industry that also throughout the recession actually did quite well. I was going to ask, yeah. you know, I've heard some things about you know the trend of you experience, know, experience, mm-hmm. and and being and you know sort of nature and biodiversity. You know, what were you seeing that made you confident that this is somewhere people would start spending money and investing yeah. time? It's a great it's a great question because. You know, I think a lot of industries were born out of this 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 recession or, or the, the modern industries that they are. But the outdoor industry in particular is really interesting because prior to prior to 2008, you would go to an outdoor store for specific activities and, and verticals and you would be you would be basically buying it for rock climbing or for hunting, mountaineering for sure. or hunting yeah. or anything like that. And then as the recession happened, people stopped spending on on more of the discretionary spending or more of the adventures and trips. And they were they started to do things more locally. And the younger people mm-hmm. like myself, too, mm-hmm. were looking for uh, inexpensive hiking trips or car camping or really mini adventures. Mm-hmm. And so the outdoor industry went went away from this very technical industry into more of a lifestyle industry. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's what the modern outdoor industry is. It's 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 driven by millennials going to an outdoor store for 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 something that they would wear to work just as much as they would wear to their car camping trip. Well, and it's true if you think about I mean, so we're peer-ish, you know, would we ever have seen someone in Carhartt Patagonia, mm-hmm. REI, even like LL Bean, those right. were sort of like that was an outdoorsy person. They grew up in Maine, and yeah. they, you know, like it wasn't fashion or lifestyle in the way you see the percentage. I know the percentage of students I see on in, campus in outdoor gear yeah, a lot don't have a tent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and they're, are, they're know, wearing hiking. jackets that they don't need for like the mountaineering trip sure, that they were originally sure. invented yeah, for. Yes, right. <laughs> pristinely clean outdoor jackets, which isn't bad because you've yeah. grown quite a business on it. Okay, yeah. so you recognize that what. You know, what does United by Blue start as? It's, I mean, it started as an outdoor brand with a focus on ocean and waterway conservation. The the, the premise from, from day one was to build a brand that was about getting our hands dirty and and, get, and allowing our customers to, to, to be a part of that. So for every product that we sell, we remove one pound of trash from oceans and waterways through company organized and hosted cleanups. We don't write checks. We don't make donations. We, we have a team within the company that is responsible for... Uh, working with our retail partners, which we have a lot of, we have about a thousand retail stores that carry the product. Um, they all become points of contact for us from an environmental as well as a business perspective because we can do cleanups in those areas. Mm-hmm. And um, and we go out and we we basically 
bring together large groups of people. This last weekend, we had 225 people out on a creek that were cleaning up. We cleaned up a bunch of trash. Um, And a couple weeks ago, we had a similar amount of people at a cleanup. So we get these large groups of people that want to do something good. They're volunteers. There's, there's, there's this movement towards, you know, spending, spending some of your time on the weekend doing something good versus Mm -hmm. just, you know, going out and, and, not doing something good. <laughs> but again, I think it goes really to this desire for experience uh, as as a core part of where you're spending your, your time and your effort. You know, it really is. It's part of the community, but it's doing something good. It's doing something that you remember more than, you know, buying another pair of shoes or something. And so that's part of the, the idea, I think. So mm. I, I want to go back a little bit to the, the, the thousand of stores that you're doing. Do mm-hmm. they do these kinds of cleanups as well? or They, they can be a part of them. I mean, the... the, the the concept too with United by Blue, especially early on, this was this was more unique. And and as we've seen with the movement of brands going in this direction, there's more opportunities for stores. But like early on, our one of our uh, messages was, hey, we're United by Blue. Uh, this is our mission, and by carrying our products, we can we can we can host a cleanup with you, and we mm-hmm. can co-host it. We can do all the work. We do all the financing. We spend the money on. Uh, like the, the 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 initial planning process, the promotion, the waste management, so the removal of the waste and and making sure that it gets into the appropriate spot, um, and so all of these retailers basically are a part of our distribution network, but they're also a part of our potential environmental impact network, yeah. which is is different with United by Blue than say a digitally native brand because we are wholesale native. Even though I'm I'm the quintessential type of person that would have started a digitally native brand right. as a millennial, I, I actually am, I started United by Blue as a wholesale brand. And and that's partially because that was my experience with what I was doing with the jewelry. But it's also because I value the network and relationship that the physical footprint gives us. And so, you know, I've, I've been a customer. I've got some United by Blue gear. I've gone in, it's a, it, in, in University City, it's mm-hmm. a coffee shop and yeah. sort of like a cafe and yeah. store. Awesome store. We bought holiday gifts there. Then my coworker went and bought <laughs> holiday gifts there. And I knew it removed a pound of trash per item purchased. And I saw the card and I was like, oh, they do cleanups. But I didn't make the jump to signing up for one, I'll admit. And I think part of it is just it was so different than anything I was used to, you know. So how do you, who do you, how do you convert your customers from, you know, I'm happy to purchase this product. This is a brand I'm happy to support to, mm-hmm. okay, like this is what I'll do Saturday. They sign yeah. up in the store. You know, like tell us what that process looks like and, sure. and how successful it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing that that you have to consider is just the the conversion of of, of customer to volunteer mm-hmm. is is going to be pretty low. Sure, um, yep. and and yep. we rec- like if we've sold over a mm, couple million products, mm-hmm. so we've probably sold to you know at least uh, five hundred plus thousand people, and we've had. 12 or 13,000 volunteers. Um, but I think the way that we look at it is, is a Venn diagram. And, and you know, that that center point of, of overlap are the most passionate people mm-hmm. of the brand. And the way that we do get volunteers is in Philadelphia, it's it's quite straightforward. It's easy because of our physical footprint. So mm-hmm. the stores do act as great as yeah. great uh, recruitment. Um, and that's why we we will get 200 plus people out at a weekend cleanup. In other markets, we're able to leverage those retail footprints as well. So the wholesale partners. And what sort of partners are they? Like big brands we would know. Or? Sure. I mean, okay. you know, REI is a big is okay. a big retailer okay. of ours. But then I think the the more important base of our account 
of our accounts is are the specialty outdoor stores, mm-hmm. um, which are basically mom and pop stores throughout the country that you know are the brands they carry brands like you know Patagonia, North Face, Arcteryx, all mm-hmm. all the big brands that you mm-hmm. would think of. But then they also carry a brand like United by Blue because it not only serves their need for lifestyle goods, lifestyle apparel and accessories mm-hmm. that are going to target that younger consumer, mm-hmm. but it also um, helps them be a more community-centric retailer as well, which all retailers want to be. Yeah. And so how does that, you know, in Philadelphia, you have the stores, and Mm -hmm. so you're able to sort of um, really emphasize the brand and the community aspect. When you're at these mom-and-pop stores, how is the United by Blue brand uh, demonstrated and made visible? Yeah. That's, that's, uh, it's always more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the wholesale distribution, we're at an arm's length. We're not controlling those footpr- right. those footprints. We're not controlling how our product is necessarily sold or displayed. Um, we try to be as involved as we can with those stores from a from a sales perspective. Um, so one of my beliefs in in growing this brand and growing the company as as a you know a Philadelphia company and also um, a good employer is we we try to do things as much internally and in-house as possible. That's everything from our cleanup team. So the, the people that are employed to to host and organize our cleanups are, are in-house employees to our sales team. So like a store in North Dakota is managed by a salesperson here in Philadelphia, and they have a very tight relationship, and they're, they're checking in on each other, and they're talking about the product. They're talking about the cleanups and the efforts. Um, we try to engage them on a, on a seasonal basis. So we're talking to all of our retailers pretty often. And Although not all of the retailers will do cleanups with us because we have a thousand, um, those that are really passionate and want to do something will go out of our way to yeah. go out and go to California, go to North Dakota, organize a cleanup. Well, I, I love that because, I mean, for listeners who are thinking about, you know, I've got a business and how do I strengthen my brand? Part of this really is that you're you're making it easy for your suppliers. And, and I think that's one of the things that I like about the model is that you've got, you've got volunteers, you've got customers, you've got suppliers, and they're all kind of uniting around the vision of you know, let's let's use the community to do some cleanups around this. Yeah, I mean community is 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 the basis. We have four values and one of them is 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 the idea of community. I mean mm-hmm. without and that's that's not just a superficial thing. We we look at that from the community of people that are employed at United by Blue to the people that come into our stores to the to the to the to the retailers and our suppliers even internationally. Like, you know, if we're if we're talking about our impact, we're we're not just looking at Philadelphia, we're looking at it as a as an international problem because ocean waterway pollution is something that's facing it's a it's a dire threat to this entire world. Yeah, yeah. I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to Brian Linton, founder and CEO of this awesome company we're talking about, United by Blue. Uh, you were painting a dire picture before, and I think it's important that we go into that a little bit and remind our listeners just how big of a problem this is and its impact. So. Um, you know, Brian, tell us about you know why this is such important work and and the state of water in our world. Sure, I you know at a at a high level, just some of the statistics that you know come to mind, and 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 I always have to remind mind myself they're they're just numbers, and and people have a hard time understanding numbers. Mm-hmm. But fourteen billion pounds of trash are estimated to get into the ocean every year, um, and that most of it is plastic. Uh, there's like five or six trillion pieces of plastic trash in the ocean already. Um, it kills an estimated 100 million seabirds a year and, and, and plenty of mammals as well. More and more you see in the news about the whales I know, washing up. I was just going to say huh? with how many pounds, 50 pounds of trash you in, know, their, in stomach, their stomach. The, there's no room for food. There. Yep. And that's, that's, that's what happens is the plastic doesn't, doesn't digest. Um, so, so these issues are, are pretty, pretty significant. And, and when we started almost 10 years ago, and can I ask really a quick clarifying question? 
where does the trash come from? Is this all consumer, you know, I'm leaving my six sure. pack rings on the beach behavior? Is it, um, you know, countries mismanaging waste and dumping it offshore? You know, any idea of sort of it's, how that breaks down? It's surprisingly not that much uh of direct dumping from like offshore or it's just or, a lot of sloppiness. It's a lot of sloppiness. It's 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 he, domestically here. You can see it if you go out to any city street. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a like a, a bottle on the street, just because we're in Philadelphia and we're forty plus miles away from the ocean, doesn't mean that um, when there's heavy rains and the infrastructure in Philadelphia, the water the the the, the, yeah. the, the water uh, the the sewage system overflows actually mm-hmm. by default, and so all of that overflow it contains plastic as well. And that gets into the Schuylkill or Delaware rivers and then goes down to, you know, the bay and then goes out to the ocean. So that happens across the world. In some in some countries, there is no good waste management. You have issues, big issues in like Indonesia right now or the Philippines where um, a lot of the, the smaller local waterways are where people either either put their trash and then it and then it goes out. But 80 percent of trash that makes its way into the ocean is land based. Um, so most of it is 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 not what you think. It's people not dumping it, into the yeah, ocean. It's not people it's, on the know. beach leaving their water bottles. Although that's an issue. It's it's yeah. it's it, that's a small fraction of it. And actually, that's an, a, a great point because you know when you're thinking about cleaning up on creeks and everything, you're going, how does that connect with the the, the ocean stuff? And you're like, well, duh, because mm-hmm. the water goes. It's all united by blue. <laughs> yeah. It's all united by yeah. Very clever. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. <laughs> it's always like a great part in the movie where they're like, that's where the title came. From. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just heard that moment. Um, it's a huge problem. How does it impact, you know, a day-to-day, you know, person, you know, living their life? What are the, the pun intended here, downstream impacts of, of this water crisis? For for us, I mean, or for, for humanity as a whole, oceans are integral to all of life. You know, when we look deep into outer space, we're, we're looking for water because that's our definition of life. And without water, there is no life. And so... Uh, by treating by treating oceans or waterways um, and any water bodies with with this type of disrespect and harm, we're we're also hurting life on Earth. And and by that I mean, you know, two billion people get their main source of protein from the ocean. And by by polluting the oceans and waterways with plastics, we're actually seeing sea life consume plastics. And 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 when you go and you buy fish now, or the the big thing that people are talking about is sea salt. Mm-hmm. All sea salt supposedly now has trace particles of plastic in it. No way. Yeah. So th- second, second thing that sea salt. Now. Uh. Um, and and it's because it's unavoidable because it's in it's in the the the, the water and it's in the DNA or not in the D, but it's in the flesh and, of the yeah, fish it's now. Like the it's there. Particles. Yeah. Because it breaks down and breaks down. Um, and so you wowzers. can't tell the difference between it. So, God, I love sea salt. This is very <laughs> so Brian, I knew it was bad. I didn't know yeah. it was sea salt bad. Sometimes we have shows that depress us, and sometimes we have shows that make us optimistic. Cheryl always we, gets depressed at the recycling shows. A, oh, I do, because recycling it's doesn't. particularly bad right now. I, I know, right? Yeah. We're not even going to go yeah. there. Um, so you that's a depressing note with a whale with this, you know, stomach full of trash, et cetera. What makes you optimistic? What's, what's, what's giving you a little bit of optimism? Well, I think the last year in particular gives me a lot of optimism because I started uh, the month after the BP oil spill. And, and you know, that was, that was a huge environmental disaster. And it was a big thing in people's topics for a while or, or minds for a while. But, but nobody was really thinking about the oceans beyond that. Right. In, 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 10 years ago, like the idea of even though plastics were a big issue, in, in my opinion, they were already in the ocean in a big way. People were not talking about them like they are in the last year. 
And so really even in the last six months, you'll see uh, tons of media coverage, tons of celebrities getting involved, tons of people talking about ocean plastic pollution, tons of people um, replicating the mission of picking up a pound of trash even. We've seen that happen in the last year or so, which is which is really – humbling and also exciting because it seems like we're hitting a tipping point where, where where people recognize. It doesn't mean that it's solving the issue because picking up trash is not the solution, right. by the way. And, right. and we will never sugarcoat that at United by Blue because we know that we won't pick up 14 billion pounds of trash in here. <laughs> like, like, it's just not going to happen. Brian looks really tired <laughs> yeah. in studio here. He's yeah. picking up 14 million pounds yeah. of trash. Or we'd be the largest company in the world by then as well, yeah. which is also not going to happen. So... Um, so, so I think that the uh, the reality is is that we're hitting this this tipping point where where the consumer is not it's not just the 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 uh, what do you call it the first mover the extreme consumer that like people like myself but it's it's people that are just average consumers that are that are aware of what's going on. And then you have things like the straw ban in Seattle where they're not using straws anymore or in, in the state of California. There's a lot of different things going on. Um, Philadelphia is not nearly as progressive, but – Paper straws at the zoo. There you okay. go. Okay. And there there is a lot of people in Philadelphia talking about it as well. So, so will that have, again, maybe downstream impact like in a year or two? And I, yeah, I, I, that's what I'm hopeful about. Yeah. yeah, and I think that more and more people – I mean, I think when I was thinking ocean pollution, I was imagining – the, the plastic on the beach, uh-huh. right? So uh-huh. it's ugly, right? Um, but then you realize that it, you know, breaks down and then it goes into fish's stomachs and that birds are, you know, eating that rather than other food. And then you realize it's, there's the visual, but that's just the tip of the iceberg, almost uh-huh. literally, right? That it's really all the stuff that's breaking down and is entering the food chain uh-huh. that's causing serious problems. Our producer, Matt, pulled up the statistics. 90% of table salt has been found to have microplastics in it. Good reason not to. <laughs> <laughs> this Cut is down a, your sodium. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> this show has been about healthy food and plastics. You can put them together there. but um, Or just use uh, Himalayan sea salt, right? There's yes. no, hopefully the, uh, there's no plastics up in the mountains yet. That's, there you go. Actually, that's not true either, probably. <laughs> oh, gosh, I know. We'll have someone on who will depress us about that. But um, but let's, you know, let's make everyone feel better and do better. I'm sitting here in the studio. We've got... A case of eight ounce plastic water bottles that we are ferried. Matt's like, don't call there, don't call I know, <laughs> but we we should not. This is dollars and change. You know, we should have an aluminum it's... United by Blue water bottle. Problem. I'm sure you sell those or yeah. tin coffee mugs. I've I've seen those there. You know, and if every one of our listeners today could please just take a moment. I bet you don't have to look more than three feet for a behavior change. You yeah, know? for sure. I bet you know what I mean. If you were just sitting at your desk, it's like. Did I need to take that plastic bag when I bought my hoagie from Wawa today? Nope. I could just carry a hoagie from Wawa today, and I certainly didn't need to buy a soda in a plastic cup. Yeah. And so, you know, if everyone can just look around and then tell one person about this conversation or go home and think, you know, about the change you, I make. Yeah, one thing you can change in your life, um, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do better, better than before, which is what we like to do here. Um, Brian, what's next for United by Blue? So we're on a, a bit of a growth stage right now where we're, we're really focused on growing this business in a sustainable, um, scalable way. Uh, there's 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 a lot of tailwinds in our favor right now as, as, as a company, everything from what people are aware of now when it comes to ocean waterway pollution to the trends of, of outdoor be, being mm-hmm. being more and more mainstream. So, you know, our, our distribution widening from 
say, outdoor into also fashion and more mainstream retailers. We're seeing that happen. We're seeing a lot of good international growth because there's there's definitely um, an international appeal to to the message that we're talking sure. about. Yeah. Um, even though we we uh, we use the uh, pound versus say <laughs> kilogram, it translates. Yeah. People get excited about it regardless. Yes, right. um, and the, uh, the 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 mission scales with that. So one of the, the one of the ways that we're we're picking up an increasing amount of trash each year. This year we'll pick up over a million pounds of trash is our goal. In the first eight years of existence, we did 1.5. Now we're doing one this year, and then we'll probably do at least two to three next year alone. So this scale is 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 accomplished both by expanding the network of our community cleanups, but also looking for very, very troubled areas, um, both domestically and internationally. And and a lot of those happen to be like illegal dump sites because mm-hmm. people people dump in waterways. So we're addressing one in the Delaware River in a few weeks called Burlington Island. And it's like off of uh, Trenton, uh, up up the river a little bit. And we're we're anticipating about a hundred to two hundred thousand pounds of trash on this on this island in the middle middle of the Delaware River. Wowzers! Um, so there's a lot of issues like that that we're looking to address, and because we're growing as a brand and we're selling more and more, we're able to do more and more activities like that. Excellent. Well, folks, that's uh, that's Brian Linton, founder and CEO of United by Blue. Brian, thanks for being with us and for coming in studio. Thank you. We enjoyed talking with you. We have to wrap up our show for today. Time flies when you're having fun. We hope you enjoyed learning from Brian Linton, founder and CEO of United by Blue. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you have a question about something you heard on today's show, you can email businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can also follow along, and if you are not driving and can safely do so, tweet at or with us, tweet at us at BizRadio132 or at Wharton Social. Once again, we want to thank our guests for sharing their experience with us. And we want to thank all of you listeners for listening to us, for looking around, finding a way to decrease your use of plastics today. That's the call to action. Call to action. That is your homework. We'll check in next (laughs) week. Uh, We also want to thank our program director, Patty Hall, our sound engineer, Jeff Simmons, and our producer, Matt Datz. I'm Sandy Hunt here with Cheryl Coleman, and you've been listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.